I don't know if you have pantophobia, the fear of everything. Of course, Charlie Brown is uh, is known for his uh, anxiety and uh, and even depression and everything goes wrong. Uh, here's Charlie Brown talking to, to Linus. You look kind of depressed, Charlie Brown. I worry a lot about school. I also worry about my worrying so much about school. My anxieties have anxieties. Maybe some of you uh, can re- relate to that. I don't know. Um, a lot of people seem to. Statistics say that over 18% of Americans uh, struggle with some sort of anxiety disorder, and some professionals think that it goes well underreported, and so it could be even double that amount, but uh, it's at least one in five people or 40 million Americans. Of course, that's just what's diagnosable. Uh, I, I think we all... Uh, tend to worry sometimes, right? Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's a lot of times it's around 4 a.m. I, I, I don't know uh, whether, uh, whether you do this or not, but uh, uh, I might uh, wake up, usually, I don't know, sleep patterns and whatever, and I'll, and I'll uh, wake up around uh, 4 a.m. I'll make sure the, uh, kick the dog and make sure he's not uh, waking me up. And then, then uh, uh, sometimes I go right, right back to sleep. But many times, uh, I, I can't go right back to sleep, and I usually start doing something uh, that's, that's kind of dangerous, and that is that I start to think around 4 a.m., and the mind starts to... I'm sure this never happens to anyone else, but uh, it, it might think about a situation that, uh, that, that I need to address or, or plans that, that I, I should get busy on or a conversation I need to have or maybe a conversation that I did have that I wish went differently and I should have said this and maybe I said that. And, and uh, most, of, most of my thoughts tend to turn into worries around 4 a.m. Uh, I've learned that, uh, that I probably shouldn't act on any of those things because usually the problems shrink uh, when I get vertical <laughs> and uh, they seem a whole lot bigger at, uh, at 4 a.m. Uh, lying in the bed but, uh, but, but, but then, they, then they really are. But whether it's, whether it's 4 a.m. or not, we tend to worry. We, we just tend to worry. Maybe that's, that's why one of the most repeated commands or, or encouragements in Scripture is uh, some variation of the phrase, do not fear, or do not be afraid, do not be anxious. Uh, whether it's God talking to Joshua or uh, Gabriel talking to Mary or the angels talking to the shepherds or, or a whole lot of other situations in Scripture, uh, it's a major theme in the Bible, don't be afraid. Jesus emphasized the, the, the need to not worry in a, in a rather sizable section in the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry, uh, and talks about the birds and the, and the grass, and, and if, if God can care for them, then he can care, and, and Jesus talked about it and emphasized it. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul told the Philippian church not to be anxious about anything, but to, to pray about everything, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, some, some people uh, who had more time and, and know how than, than me have uh, have counted and they they have come up with uh, with the number of 365 365 times in the Bible that we are told to not be afraid if you're counting uh, that's one for every day and uh, so um, uh, that that would indicate there's a whole lot of uh, reason why God knows that we struggle with worry and anxiety and so he tells us don't do it <laughs> As we, uh, uh, as as a church, our uh, we've our, our stated goal, our our purpose, our mission. Uh, when it all boils down, we've said that we live to love people to life. 
And, uh, and, and so I, I think that part of this life, this abundant life with God, is, is not a life of anxiety and worry and fear and what's going to happen next, but it's a life free from that. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, some, some scriptural uh, pointers in how we can, how we can do that. Uh, now I know, let me just say, uh, first off, I want to acknowledge that there are indeed legitimate times when professional help is, is needed, uh, in dealing with, uh, with the, uh, anxiety disorders and things like that. I think, uh, that, that probably in the past the church has not dealt with mental health issues, uh, in the, in, in the best of ways. Um, uh, and maybe just saying, pray more, and that's the one prescription that we need to do. Uh, Pray more isn't going to hurt you, but sometimes you also need to go to the doctor. And so, uh, so let me just say that right up front. But at the same time, as I say that, let me also say I'm not a psychologist, I'm a pastor. And so I'm coming at this from the aspect of what does Scripture say and how can God free us from some of these things that, that hold us back. It could be that we have lived with fear and anxiety for so long that we just think it's normal. But what if it's not? What if you could live a life of victory over worry and fear and anxiety? What if you could live a life of joy? I believe that we can, and I believe that Scripture says that we should. And so I want to go back to something that I uh, came across early on. I didn't grow up in the Church of the Nazarene denomination, but... uh, uh, in, in my college days and beyond, then have, uh, have become a part of that. But, but something that has been a part, uh, uh, taught by, uh, the, the, the church that I came across, uh, shortly after I, I, uh, I, I was made known of the, the Church of the Nazarene was, was this little thing, uh, that, uh, that, that a pastor had developed springing straight out of Psalm 37. A couple of books written about it. There's a diagram I'll show you in a minute, but it's called The Cycle of Victorious Living. And, and Dr. Earl Lee uh, developed this, uh, um, come, again, coming out of uh, Psalm 37 and, and based on that scripture. I, you might remember just a few weeks ago, I referred to Dr. Lee uh, as, as being one of the significant figures in my uh, spiritual journey and my call to ministry. And, and uh, uh, Dr. Lee and his wife Hazel were served as as missionaries to India uh, back in the in the fifties. They they came back uh, to the United States uh, to for a deputation tour. Uh, Nineteen sixty, they they were sensing that maybe they shouldn't go back, and they didn't know what was next, and they were worried about the future and and wondering what was next. And uh, and and Doctor Lee felt inspired by the Lord as he prayed and as he studied that he shouldn't worry about the future, but instead he should trust God in everything. And he'd been he'd been fretting over these uh, these next steps in his life and where God was going to tell him, but but he sensed that, that that God was was telling him to just take one day at a time and to trust Him. This is. This is uh, how Dr. Lee says uh, the, God spoke to him. He said, uh, the answer I received was so quietly simple, I hardly knew God had spoken. His word to me was, you have my will for today, I will take care of tomorrow. You have my will for today, so do that. 
God says, I will take care of tomorrow. And for, for Dr. Lee in 1960, that was a, a liberating thing, and it took him to a whole new level. Spirit, of course, he had known that in his mind, and yeah, I need to trust, but yet these, these, these fears and, and worries and anxiety still, still were uh, uh, working in his life, and, and to put that aside. And, and so the Lord would, would use Dr. Lee and his wife. Uh, they became pastors of the, uh, the Pasadena uh, Church of the Nazarene, Paznaz, they called it, and, uh, and, and for, for years and years and uh, in addition to dealing with the uh, the issues that come from a uh, leading a, a large ministry like that uh, maybe you're aware maybe not um, uh, back in 1980 there was this uh, uh, thing going on in the world with the the uh, uh, hostages in Iran uh, some of you I'm sa- stating my age right now because I remember that I was not too old but uh, I was yeah I was but um, uh, I still remember that uh, Gary Lee, uh, uh, Dr. Lee's son, was one of those hostages. Uh, and uh, so uh, the, read books on it, read about their um, interaction through that time, and, and, and I've read about some of the people who were with the Lees and in their church and, and knew them personally, uh, testifying to the fact of their, their faith and their trust and their, their abiding commitment to Christ, even in the midst of very uncertain, didn't know whether their son was going to live or die another day. Just one example of how, 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 how this, this, um, this quiet peace continued to lead and guide uh, this, uh, this man of God and his wife through the years. Uh, so this cycle, the cycle of victoriously, uh, again, I'll, I'll show you in just a second. It's been, it's, it's been tried and tested. It, it works. It has helped many people through the years, and I think it can help change the way that we approach life and, and the things that may drag us into worry and fret and, 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 uh, and take us away from the abundant life that God desires for us. So I want us to read Psalm 37, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll look at what this thing is all about. Uh, it says, Do not fret. Because of those who are evil, or be anxious of those, envious of those who do not don't, who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither; like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before, or the King James says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. So, here are, here are the, the, the main points of this cycle. Go ahead and... Uh, Go to the next slide there, and you see the, the red words. Uh, there are words like commit and trust and delight and rest in the Lord. Uh, commit, trust, delight, rest. Here, here's how it looks in the diagram version. So there's a circle, and we commit, and we trust, and we delight, and we rest, and we commit, and we trust, and we delight, and we rest. It's like a a wheel going down the road. Commit, trust, delight, rest. Commit, trust, delight, rest. We'll unpack those things as in, in these in these coming weeks. Uh, and and at any time, though, you see there, worry or fretting can can kind of spin us out of alignment or or spin us away from the the cycle of committing, trusting, delighting, and resting. 
And that's why worry uh, is so, anxiety is so toxic in our, in our spiritual lives. You notice there that, that if, if this is a wheel, this thing's bugging me. We're just going to get rid of that. All right. There, there, there's a wheel, and in the middle of that wheel is, is a hub. Just like any good wheel, there's, there's got to be a hub at the center of that wheel, right? And, and, and you see there that the center of this cycle is the Lord. It, it's God. It's, 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 we commit, it says there in, in Psalm 37, commit your way to the Lord. It says trust in the Lord. It says take delight in the Lord. It says rest in or be still before the Lord, there's the, the center is the Lord. Without that, everything kind of uh, falls apart. The, the, the hub is, uh, is, is key. Uh, throughout this psalm, King, King David, who, who wrote Psalm 37, he emphasizes over and over again the need for us to build our lives on God, to build our lives around God, that he must be at the center of our lives. I think before we ever dive into anything that this whole deal looks at, we have to ask the question, is God at the center of my life? Because, and here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, what is at the center of your life will determine your level of anxiety. What is at the center of your life will determine your level of of anxiety. If your life is committed at the core to something other than God, if you are trusting in, if your life's delight is in things that are not God, then you will not live a victorious life and you will not find true rest from your worries. Oswald Chambers uh, has famously said, all our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. I come back to that a lot. All our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. How many times have I looked at a situation and it doesn't get up, add up and I, and I get frustrated and I get stressed and I get worried and then I realize that, that I haven't put the, the, the most important uh, thing into the calculation. God hasn't been placed in the center of that. If I'm trusting in my own ingenuity, I'm going to worry. <laughs> Like a lot. <laughs> if, uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm committed to an institution or, or a, a governmental system in order to bring about the good, I'm going to worry about that, right? If, if, if I'm counting on someone else, probably going to be let down at some point. I, I, I'm going to worry. But, but if I'm trusting in an all-powerful God who is not surprised by what's going on, he's not wringing his hands and wondering how this is all going to work out. If, if, if I'm, I'm trusting in, if, if my life is rooted in an all-powerful God, I don't have to worry. Chambers, uh, uh, in that uh, devotion where that, that quote came from, uh, my utmost for his highest uh, is, is what that book is called. In the same reading for the same day, he says this, fretting is wicked if you are a child of God. We could stop right there and just be all convicted and pray and go home, right? Uh, fretting is wicked if you are a child of God. He goes on, he says, our Lord never worried and he was never anxious because he was not out to realize his own ideas, he was out to realize God's ideas. I think our worry has a whole lot to do with our desire to fulfill our own ideas or to get what we want. But if our whole desire is to trust what God allows and trust that that's best, what God brings is what's best, and we trust God in that, 
then our worry is going to diminish. I told you that, that 4 a.m. seems to be my, my worrying hour. Um, we'll call it a think session, I guess. Not, maybe not so much worrying. But, but just recently, in the last uh, week and a half maybe, uh, I, I, was, I was awake. It was for something. Uh, you know how you look at the clock and you can't quite write, read it, but you know that it's for something, right? And uh, and and so I was thinking about stuff, and 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 uh, out of the blue, this 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 phrase kind of pops into my mind. I, I'd learned it years ago. I'm sure it's it's from Philippians uh, uh, chapter four, verse nineteen. It's in the Bible. Uh, it, it says this: "My God will supply all your needs." So I'm running through this list. It wasn't even any big deal, but I'm just thinking, and I'm and I'm thinking about this, and how's this going to work out, and what am I going to do here, and and oh, I've got to do that tomorrow and all those kinds of things. And then out of the blue, I, I sense this, uh, my God will supply all of your needs. My God will supply all of your needs. Hmm, yeah, you know what, I believe that. I, and then, then in the quiet of, of those moments, my mind starts getting all philosophical and theological, which is kind of dangerous at 4 a.m., right, when you're uh, in the fog. But... Um, my thought process kind of went something like this. If, if I need something, God will provide it, right? My God will supply all of your... So if I need something, God will provide it. If, if I don't need it, he might not provide it. But, but I don't need to worry about it because I don't need it. Because God's going to supply all that I need, and God knows what I need, and so he knows what I need, and he will supply what I need, and if I don't need it, he might not supply it, but that's okay because I don't need it. He has the resources, he has the wisdom, so what am I worried about? And I drifted off to sleep. The next day, it wasn't just, obviously, I still remembered because I'm talking about it right now, but, but it wasn't just something that, that flew from my mind, but as I, as I spent time in prayer that next morning, it, it, uh, I, I was kind of reflecting on that because I do that sometimes because the thoughts I have in the, in the four o'clock hour aren't always, they don't always hold up to the light of day, right? Uh, but uh, uh, I was reflecting on that and I thought, you know what? I, I think that holds up. I, I think that's true. I, I think if, if my life is built on God and, and I'm trusting in him and I'm obeying him and I'm following him, then the pressure's off because God has promised to provide my every need. And so, so if, if I need it, he's going to provide it. And if he doesn't provide it, then I must not need it. And, and, and he's also going to provide a whole lot of stuff that I don't need, but, but it's still great stuff. And, and, uh, and, and if, I, if, if I'm trusting him in all of these things, then the pressure's off. We don't have to worry. He's at the center. Unfortunately, for many people, God is a part of our lives, but he's not at the center of our lives. It's kind of like spokes on a, on a, on a bicycle wheel. <laughs> we, um, I was telling some of you this morning, we, we were in, uh, up at Mackinac Island, part of our vacation uh, a week or so ago, and uh, Rebecca and I got the tandem bike. That would have been a video right there, right? We actually have a video. It'll probably show up here at some point. Once we were on about mile seven and we'd figured it out, right? But um, uh, bike tires, they all have, the, they have these spokes, and, and uh, as long as they're all held together, they're in the middle, everything's good. But, but I, I think a lot of times we treat God as kind of one of the spokes in the wheel, 
And, and so we've got our, our, our work life and our home life and our hobbies and we've got our spiritual life and, and, and we've got these folks. But God doesn't want to just be part of our lives. He's got to be the core of our lives. He's got to be the, the, the center, the hub of the wheel. Uh, so we have to ask, is God my center? What or who is at your center? I, I mean, I mean, really, this is more than just me asking a question. You go, what really is at your center? Think about it. Who or what is it that has ultimate authority in your life? Who or what is it that you, that you, that is really motivating what you do and how you feel and what you say and, and, just, just a couple, it could be hundreds of different things, I guess. Uh, it could be a relationship. A person is at the core, right? Nothing else matters if that relationship isn't right. And everything else, uh, it throws everything off kilter if, if that relationship isn't right. It could be, and it's not that maybe the relationship is bad, it's just misplaced priorities. That is the hub, and, and it throws everything. It could be that a person, husbands, wives, yes, your, your husband, your wife should be very important to you. They should not be the hub of your life. You cannot build your life on that other person. It's got to be on God. What is at the center of it? It could be a relationship. It could be, could be money. Uh, a lot of, it's a big one for a lot of people. Our ultimate decisions are based on how it benefits me or doesn't benefit me financially. And, and so, uh, ultimately, bottom line, that's the filter that we pass things through. And, and so financial health and, and the financial piece is, that's a big one for a lot of, it could be our feelings. How do I feel about it? Uh, my, our emotions, I think, guide us way too much. Uh, and, and more than we want to admit, probably. And how do I feel about this? Does it, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so common. To ask the question, well, what makes me happy? Um, Not the best spiritual question to ask. Happy could change in a second. (laughs) We can't base, it can't be the hub of the wheel. Sure, happiness is is a good thing. I like to live a a happy life even more. I want to live a holy life because because I'm, I'm centered on God and who he, it can't be our, ultimately I think, and again, it could be hundreds of things. Ultimately, I think it boils down to that many times we are at the center of our lives. I'm at the center of, of my life. I want what I want and, and, and nothing else, no one else, dare I say even God, is going to tell me uh, what to do or, or get in the way of what I want. And maybe we even try to spiritualize it and we try, but ultimately, if we really tease it out, it becomes me at the center, at the core. Following any of those things will lead to fret and worry and anxiety and they will spin us out of alignment with God. We have to settle this first. Is your relationship with God at the center of your life? Because what is at the center of your life will determine your level of anxiety. Circumstances change, people let us down, emotions go all over the place, but God, Scripture says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His wisdom is beyond anything we could possibly imagine, and his love for you uh, must be at the core, the hub of the wheel, the center of 
your life. I believe that there are, there are people who wonder why they keep failing in their, in their Christian lives when it's really they just haven't settled this, this issue because God isn't at the center. They, they walk through the motions of religion maybe, but God isn't in charge of their lives. The first step in living a victorious Christian life is settling the issue of lordship, putting the Lord, God, at the center of our lives. Who's in charge? It is everything I think and do and say governed by him. So as we look at this, the, the details of this cycle in Psalm 37, uh, commit, trust, delight, rest, commit, trust, delight, rest. Well, just, not just uh, committing uh, to, to just anything. We're not just delighting in just any. It's, it's centered on the Lord. We have to we have to see, as we look at this, we'll see that, 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 that uh, uh, the amount of times that we spin off kilter into fret and worry and, and anxiety, I think, are directly related to the amount that the Lord is at the center or not. And if we're out of whack and if we're out of tune, uh, then, then it's going to lead to anxiety and worry. Because what is at the center of your life will determine your level of anxiety. And I think what you believe about God affects that level of anxiety. Because if you believe that God is out to get you, maybe, maybe the God that, that you think exists is the God that, that is waiting for you to screw up and uh, waiting for, for you to trip up so he can flick you in the, in the head and say, come on, get with it. Uh, waiting for you to, to, so he can zap some lightning bolts down and say, uh, there, I knew you'd mess up. I finally, if, if that's the God, I think that would lead to a life of worry and anxiety, right? We'd be walking on eggshells. We'd be, oh, I hope this doesn't make God mad. But if you believe in the God of the Bible, the God that loves you, the God that has your best interest at heart, the God that has power over everything, the God that knows everything, uh, the, the God that, that, that is in charge and, and capable of everything. If that is the God that you believe in, then you don't have to fear. Uh, Romans 8.28 says this, in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. If we believe that, then we will not fear. We will not be anxious about what's taking place. If God really does supply uh, all of our needs, if God really is working for the good of those who love him, if that's really happening, if, if it's really true, then no matter what happens, we can trust that God's got us. Even if it's something that seems painful in the moment, even if it's, if it's overwhelming, even if we don't know what is going to happen next. I... I if you believe that, then, then you won't get all riled up about stuff. And I wonder, it's probably not true in, in every, but I wonder if you find yourself getting all riled up about stuff, if you find yourself getting anxious about stuff, it could be an indicator that you really don't believe that God has your best interest at heart, that he's not the center of your life. Romans, uh, later in that same chapter, Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul just continues and he just keeps, keeps emphasizing this and going over and over again. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than conqueror. Sounds like a victorious life, right? 
the victorious living. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And he names a whole bunch of stuff and says none of those things, none of it, nothing will be able to separate us from God's love. That's a life of joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of, of, of trials, even in the midst of the things that, that we walk through that we wish we didn't have to walk through. But if, if God is at the center and we continue to commit our lives to him and we commit, continue to trust in him and, and we delight in him and, and we, can, we can be still in his presence. With God at the center, we don't have to worry. The story is told of uh, a, a, a pilot early on in the days of aviation. A, a pilot was making a, a, a trip around the world. And uh, he, he'd been, been gone... He'd, made several legs of his flight. He could make it about four hours uh, between stops, and so he had taken off from his, his latest uh, place, and he was about two hours in and with about two hours to go, and, and he heard something that, that put him on edge, and he heard the gnawing sound, and maybe you've heard it before, the scurrying and gnawing sound of some type of rodent uh, in the plane. And that made him worry because there are a lot of very important cables and things that a rodent could, uh, uh, could, could hinder by gnawing on them as he's flying. And, and he was trying to think about what he could do. He certainly couldn't leave the controls and, and, uh, and it was, he was, he couldn't, it wouldn't help to turn around and go back because he was a couple hours out, but a couple hours to go and, and didn't quite know what to, what to do or, or, or then he, he remembered or he thought about, okay, well, well, a rat is, um, is used to being on the ground, not used to being up in the air. And I wonder, wonder if I take this a little higher, if, uh, if the air will get thin enough and that rat will uh, cease to be a rat anymore. Well, sure, he went up a, 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 a thousand uh, uh, meters and then another thousand and up and up. And then he didn't hear the, the gnawing sound and the scurrying sound anymore and made it without incident to his next stop. And as he landed, he dug through the, uh, the, the compartment there and he, sure enough, he found a dead rat. It had died because it could not stand the atmosphere of those heights. Interesting thing, the word fret uh, in, in Scripture, the, the, it, the, uh, the, the word can be translated as to eat away or to gnaw or to wear away, kind of a lot like a rodent might. I think that King David, who wrote this psalm, I think that he would describe worry as a rodent. Worry cannot live in the atmosphere of the presence of God. As we pray, as we, as, as we focus on God and, and who he is, as we, as we spend time in, uh, committing our lives to him and trusting in him and delighting in him, then, 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 then fret and worry disappear because our lives are centered on him. I'm sure that in a, in a group this size that there are people who have been dealing with anxieties of all sorts. Some might, be, uh, might seem more, uh, you know... Uh, uh, big or significant than others. Maybe some are just little things here and there. Some, and I know uh, uh, some of you, and I, I could, could, uh, could sense that, uh, or would sense that probably you're dealing with some things that seem insurmountable, that seem uh, just what in the world is going to happen. 
But God does not want you to live a life of fear and anxiety even in the midst of those overwhelming circumstances because he can enable us to have victory even in those, even if we don't know the answer, even if we don't know what tomorrow brings, we can be faithful in today as we commit our lives to him, as we trust in him, as we delight in him, as we rest in him, he is at the center of our lives because what is at the center of your life will determine your level of anxiety. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness if there are things in our lives where we've been anxious and worried and, and wondering what's, what's going to happen and not putting you into the, into the calculation, into the equation. So, Lord, I pray that as, as your spirit moves and works, that we would be obedient to what you desire for us, that, 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 that you would move and flow and that we would be obedient to whatever you have to say. Lord, we, we offer ourselves to you this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name.